I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me, as always, is my cohort in crime, Miss Rachel Moore. Hello. So um, we are re- we are returning after our fiasco of Halloween, where my husband turned into an alien and Rachel's turned into a goat. <laughs> Um, and we are back and it was quite the Halloween. It was a Friday night and I think my house had almost 2000 children come to it easily. We easily, we definitely had over a thousand children, three giant Rubbermaid totes of candy. Yes. And, uh, it was fun. It was great. And if we had been playing the Elsa take a shot game, we would have all been dead. Probably. Yeah. There were a lot of Elsas, but there was one Star-Lord and there were two Groots. That was true. There was a couple of Groots and I did see a Star-Lord, but no Gamoras. No Gamoras, Gamoras. which was sad. Um, No Rocky raccoons. Rocket the raccoon. Yeah. Rocky. Rocky's a flying squirrel. (laughs) I was just bringing, because I was just singing Beatles is what happened. (laughs) I was serenading Jessica before the show began. She didn't appreciate it. No, no, no. Um, But uh, it was a fun Halloween and um, I was in fact Pam Poovey zombie killer and Rachel was in fact a kitty cat. It was a kitty cat. And Sarah, who is not on tonight and she sends her condolences about that, was Wonder Woman. And she looked great. Everybody looked great. And we had a good time. So into the Week in Geek before we have our special creepy guest, Mr. Doug Jones. Ooh. And his soon to hopefully to be director again, David Fisher, um, for Nosferatu. Which Yay! Is- they are running a pledge drive uh, for a Kickstarter, and right now they're at around $18,000, and they only want $60,000 to make this, and um, we're going to do our best to help make that happen. Absolutely. Um, because Doug Jones should be always be a vampire. Always. Always, Dougie. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, we can geek. We have a lot to go through really fast. Um and one of the coolest things to come onto the internet in a while happened this week. At least that's, I just found out about it this week. And that is the Internet Arcade, which is an Internet Archive software collection. It's online. We'll put the link up on Fangirl Mag for you. But basically, this is called Productivity Killer. Um, you can go on this site and play via your browser an unbelievable amount of old school arcade games for free. 
and I'm talking joust. I'm talking like burger time, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like crazy stuff. And they have them all on there for free. You can play them in your browser. And basically this is going to destroy everyone's productivity at work. Whatever you're trying to do, you're just going to start playing and you can't stop like root beer tapper. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff <laughs> and, and it's all free and it's all playable through Qbert, the original Qbert oh, um, man. and Sinistar, which is something I just, just basically laid there and played for hours and just like Tron's on here, the original Tron for the love of God. So all of these are on this site and you can play them for free. It, they're like uh, emulating um, software on there that you just play it through your browser. And you can use your keyboard, and it's crazy fun. So this is up there now, and we will have a link for you so you can go and just take away every bit of free time you have. <laughs> uh, oh, goody. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and without quarters. Uh, so um, lots of comic book news happened this week. Uh, and it seems like Marvel and DC are getting ready to gear up for a battle royal. Um, so uh, the one latest entry into this craziness which i'm still sort of this is just complete fanboy and fangirl baiting of the nth degree i mean really seriously marvel seriously uh a marvel is going to do an attack on titan crossover what and i'm not no i'm not joking it's gonna happen in tokyo and apparently it's you do you understand man. how insufferable Tumblr is going to be now? Oh, I, I can't believe they're doing this. This is just, to me, this is the nth degree of baiting for fanboys. And it's really happening. They actually, um, this is really going on. And they have a teaser of artwork that they posted on Twitter um, that you can see uh, uh, of Spider-Man running away from the giants. And I just, I I seriously, I'm. I'm in awe of it because I really could not get it. I tried. I tried. Oh my gosh! In- I just saw the picture. I tried to get into Attack on Titan. I could not get into it. It the was SNA, the SNK nerds are just. Ugh. They're the thing that like make I actually have it on my Tumble sa- Savior that I don't want any SNK, which is the um, abbreviation of the Japanese title of Attack on Titan. I, I just couldn't get into it because it was basically taking bits and pieces of every other anime ever. And the, the lead character made me want to harm myself. He just was so annoying. I, I couldn't get, get into it. And it just seems like basically torture porn for anime guys and girls. Seriously. I just, no. Um, but not to be outdone by that, uh, we keep we go back to D.C., which just announced a major, um, like, basically money-whoring scheme to get you to buy comics, which is Convergence. It's a new massive crossover thing that they're doing with titles in the DC universe. Um, the New 52 and Earth 2 are going to combine, and it's all going to come together, and it's going to be a massive run. And one of my mm. friends um, did some counting, and it's going to be like an ungodly amount of money that you're going to have to funnel into this because it's going to be like 86 issues or something. They, well, <laughs> it's like the old days. Yeah. You're basically at four bucks a pop, but into this thing, <clears throat> you're going to have spent a lot of money. Unless you wait for the trades, Unless like you, I did with Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Really, that's that's pretty much it. But this uh, – 
Go ahead. This is totally not, it's comic book nudes, but it's not. I just want to make sure we cover it because Papa Midnight is going to be on the next episode of Constantine. And Constantine isn't doing really great in ratings on network, but it's doing amazing on Hulu, which now networks are starting to look at more. So everyone who loves Constantine should tune, tune in next week because we want to really support the show, whether you watch on network or you watch on Hulu Plus. And Papa Midnight's going to be there, so... Yeah, he comes on this Friday, um, and you really should be watching Constantine. It's actually very good. Yeah, that the, the ratings are getting are worse than Dracula, which they canceled. Yeah, I think the thing it, it's difficult. Uh, it just depends on how much weight they put on the online presence. The other thing that's interesting is um, is I realize there's a flaw in the show for new for new watchers, and it's kind of similar to. Um, what's been the problem with other iterations is the thing that makes Constantine great in the comics is that you kind of get his inner dialogue and you get like all his insecurities and snarky asides. Whereas you just get the facade that he shows when you on the TV show. And I'm hoping they'll kind of get some time to be able to get underneath that crust a little bit. Cause as bad as the Dresden TV show was, one thing they did really well was the, the kind of narration and having, like the exposition of who Dresden was. Well, they actually had him talk in his head to you. Yeah, yeah. And that worked. It worked really well. And I wish they had done something like that. They do it a little bit, but really only at the beginning and end of episodes. So um, just an FYI on the DC Convergence, uh, this is going to be a really big thing. And it's going to run through April and May of next year. It's going to be a nine-part weekly series. And... Um, there will also be, according to what I've I've looked up here, there will also be 40 brand new two-part miniseries published along the way. So they really, really, really are, are gung-hoing this. It's going to be one of the biggest events DC's done in a while. You might have to have Caleb on once a month or something to, to recap for all Possibly, of yeah. Um, but the other thing, that, not to be outdone, <laughs> Marvel's not going to let let them take all this so um actually today or yesterday late yesterday um marvel debuted a new teaser which you know because dc can't have all the fun um and the teaser just says everything ends and uh so the teasers um this one is dated before it says the summer of 2015 everything ends and this is marvel it doesn't say anything else and the text slowly fades into nothingness. Crazy. So are they doing a massive reboot? Who knows? Who knows? They've got a new female Thor. They, they've got all this stuff happening in the Marvelverse. We know they've got the new Tony Stark who has extremist, uh, extremist armor going on. And he, they're wanting to reboot that probably to help funnel into that whole Avengers thing where he's going to end up being kind of the bad guy they're doing a new civil war in the in the marvel universe in the movies so who knows but you do know that ragnarok is coming <laughs> in thor three so and idris elba may or may not on purpose have let slip that he and tom hiddleston are going to be in age of ultron yeah probably i'm guessing in a um they're saying that at the end at cap the end cap to tie yeah, in probably is what they do it doesn't um, matter it doesn't <laughs> Bring matter me my idris and yeah. my tom so that's what's going on in the land of comics now in the land of film we have some comic stuff of course because that's what's going on um one little tidbit that i'll say um 
um, which ties into the Marvel universe, is the fact that we know that there is a Deadpool movie coming, and Kamikaze happened, and uh, Kamikaze got a lot of uh, news bits coming out of it, and that one of them is the fact that Ryan Reynolds is in fact going to be Deadpool, which he should be. It's like it's it's really the thing that will. It's it's the best role he's ever had. Well, well, and <laughs> but except for they messed it up last time, but they're gonna. This is basically gonna just reboot. I think all of that. Yeah. And uh, so the creator of Deadpool, or one of the writers of Deadpool, Rob Liefeld, was talking about this at Kamikaze, and he said that basically the reason Deadpool the movie is happening is Ryan Reynolds. He wanted it, and and the studios were coming to him, asking him what he wanted to do, and he said, "I want to do Deadpool." That's awesome. So, uh, you know, he kind of got screwed over by the whole uh, Green Lantern thing, but he is Deadpool. And you know, it's kind of like how um, uh, Chris, oh gosh, I can't remember his last name all of a sudden, Captain America, how he did Fantastic Four. Chris Evans. He, Chris Evans, and he just, it was just an awful movie, but he was so, like, he just needed the right role, and I kind of feel like, Ryan Reynolds, he got this chance to play this character, and then they made him mute, like, which is the best is the part of Deadpool, is his sassiness, and so I think it's just so great. I think it's great, and I think I'm glad he didn't give up on it, because... It's something I'm looking forward to. Well, and if you haven't picked it up, I actually bought, I went out and got um, Hawkeye versus Deadpool. And it's it's an excellent comic and you should totally go get that. Um, The other thing that um, a comic related, but not in the Marvel verse and not in the DC verse is the Crow remake. It is not actually a remake, which makes me extremely happier <laughs> happy um i wrote a little bit about this on the website on fangirlmag.com and um it's kind of nice to know uh that james obar is giving his blessing on this in a way and um saying that this you know you cannot recreate eric draven eric draven was brandon lee Mm-hmm. And uh, so in this movie, and he made a good point. He's like, in the comic books, Eric and Shelley's last names were never mentioned. So Eric and Shelley in this new film are more like the comic Eric and Shelley and not like the one that we know from Alex Proyas's beautiful, gorgeous, forever, my movie, The Crow. Um, so I'm okay with that. And I'm okay if they make it more like the comic book, like in terms of visual look and style and um, the whites and the reds and the blacks, like the white, it was a black and white comic and it was Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I would really love to see something like that, not ripping off like the Sin City look, but making it look. It needs to be less polished than that. It needs to have that that grit. It needs grit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm really uh, excited now after hearing this interview with him and um, the fact that the director took the time to talk to him about it. Uh, so even though it's Luke, I'm in everything Evans. Uh, I'm okay with that, especially after how much I enjoyed Dracula Untold, which surprised the hell out of me. Um, I'm okay with him doing this as long as it is not Eric Draven. And that's fine. <laughs> that's Okay. I won't hate you. Um, So also released today as of this recording, the trailer for Chappie has come out and I am actually excited about this. Now, Elysium let me down. Blomkamp and, and Copley and Elysium 
I, I, I really, I really was disappointed in that film, like super, super sad how bad I thought it was. Um, it was way too formula, way too mainstream for such a cool concept that they could have done with it. But Chappie goes back to the roots of uh, Blomkamp and Copley and, and the District 9 look and um, grit and feel it looks like to me and so our, our, our word of the night is grit 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 um so chappy if you don't know is is uh charlotte copley plays the title character who uh is a robot who is alive and he learns how to be human so it's basically a lot of people are comparing it to like a a, a really kind of uh a more realistic version of short circuit mixed with <laughs> uh blade runner which is sort of weird um so in this Short circuit means blade runner and it actually looks like the that future because, is now because die antwood star in this so you oh got, my gosh they they are trying to help him learn how to be human and then you've got the, the <laughs> wait wait who's going to teach diane wood how to be human first <laughs> This is an important question. They they also have the lead actor from Slumdog Millionaire playing in it as well. And uh, it looks really interesting. And Copley did, I think he did the mocap for it as well as the voice. So it, and it looks beautiful. It's that gorgeous, that uh, neat looking robotics that you saw in Elysium, but was wasted on a, a film that's, this plot was so cookie cutter and 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 that it didn't even die. i have not made it through it yet i keep falling asleep that is pretty much how you should be with it um <laughs> so into tv news um i'm rachel and i will never agree on gotham no uh ever and i am now i'm i'm just even laughing more so because they just announced that they're gonna have baby scarecrow show up baby scarecrow the fact that you're gleeful i don't get it i i'm trying to i'm trying i'm trying to figure out how you're gonna have jonathan crane be i mean what is he gonna be like a really creepy damien-esque five-year-old or something i don't know well we have to watch and see jessica yeah because their ratings aren't doing so great either and people are just sort of that's because it's not a great show i just really enjoy it like i don't think i i my love of it is not based on it being great i just really enjoy it so they're they're bringing in harvey dent they're bringing in hugo strange and now jonathan crane whose dad i guess is going to be the original (laughs) scarecrow now and i don't even know so that's happening (laughs) so disgusted by all of it i'm just disgusted by it it just i it's lost me i'm i'm it's i don't know if there's a chance of it getting me back although it was kind of cute that um the guy that plays gordon in it actually dressed as old gordon for halloween and it was cute oh why is he adorable why doesn't he have a personality in the show i like him in the show i don't know so um the other (laughs) funny thing happening other than the plots of gotham are um the fact that the Seafy channel is now trying desperately to prove that it is the sci-fi channel and they're doing so by bringing in stuff like 12 monkeys edgy re reimagining of their brand didn't work out for them well you mean sharknado (laughs) sharknado 2 (laughs) sharknado 3 um 
so the sharkening. <laughs> the, the sharkening. So they're really trying now to to really bring the sci-fi back to their their network, and they're doing it in a balls to the wall way uh, that was announced today, which is Ridley Scott is producing an adaptation of Arthur C. Clarke's new that final entry in the Space Odyssey, which is three thousand and one, and a miniseries on the Sci-Fi Channel. Not sure if want. So it's going to happen whether you want it or not. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Scott Ridley Scott can actually do this. And, and actually, they're getting buy-in from Stanley Kubrick and the Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke's um, fa- families on this. So it's happening. Um, but he needs a mortgage payment. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it could be awesome. You know, it they could, did really they well used with to do really cool things. They did really well with the Dune franchise. That yeah. They made. Um, but the thing that I find interesting is it's just, it's funny watching them now realize, oh yeah, maybe wrestling and showing Braveheart 5 million times a year isn't the way to really cater to sci-fi fans. It could so, be. Could be. So we've got that going on now. Um, so on to our TV recap for the week. Um, the winner in my eyes was not Doctor Who, but American Horror Story Freak Show was the best thing I saw all damn week. Oh, my God. They really knocked it out of the park with their two-parter uh, for Halloween. And the second part of the Edward Mordrake uh, story was phenomenal. And I really, really enjoyed it. Don't despair, fans of Twisty. We've been told he's going to be back. Um, so really, really loved it. I loved just Mordrake. I, would, I could watch Wes Bentley play that character forever and stop it i could watch west bentley can we just stop there that's great that's true i uh him in a top hat and a cape though with a uh extra face on the back of his head i'm looking forward to it so much um so really 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 good loved it loved the the fact that in in the span of of that one episode you get like four backstories which was really well done and how they 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 managed with the more drake storyline giving you that was really well done and of course you know we've just found out that david burka and neil patrick harris are going to be on at the end of the series in a role in two roles each of them so interesting gonna be a great series um can't wait for more of it um walking dead oh god uh not okay um this was one of the most lame episodes of the series so far this season um it's called Slab Town, and it had Beth in a hospital, and you find out what was going on with Beth, and what was going on with Beth wasn't so interesting, which is <laughs> is typical of the character for the most part. Um, but at the end, you know, we see Carol being willed in. The thing with this is if, if it goes down how I'm thinking, it's probably going to go down and how it's all going to come together. And Daryl's going to try and save Beth and Carol's going to try and save Beth. And they run into the um, to uh, Noah who escaped and Beth was left behind. And in the span of the, the massiveness of Atlanta itself, not to mention walkers and everything for them to have actually ran into each other so he could say hey you know beth i left her back at the hospital um (laughs) and then they know how to get to her is too much of a suspension i can handle 
mass extinction via zombie, but my suspension of disbelief only goes so far. <laughs> please don't make it that way. Please, please. Um, so yeah, Walking Dead, not so great. A lot of people were not happy with that episode either. But let us get to our guests for the night. And everybody, I would like to introduce our special guest for the night, Mr. Doug Jones, who is returning to us, I think, for the fifth time. Woo-hoo. No, has it really been that many times? I, I think so. Four or five. Yeah, so I think this is five. I think we're dating now. Cultures we're betrothed, yes. Sorry. That's an official courtship, have I ever heard of one? Oh my gosh, I'm blushing. And <laughs> and and also with him, he is bringing his director, Mr. David Fisher. This is my twelfth time, I believe. <laughs> we are actually divorced now. That's yeah, that's right. I, did, I, I was going to tell Doug that later. Now <laughs> oh, the cat's out of the bag. But um, these fine gentlemen who are courting us here at Fangirl Radio are here, in fact, to try and court you to help donate to. A wonderful project that I am all about, which is the Nosferatu remix that David and Doug are trying to get off the ground. Um, it looks amazing. And if you have seen previously when Doug was on um, to talk about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, David is the man who was behind that project. And now they're returning. Loved. And if you haven't seen it, you're stupid. Go watch <laughs> And there you that's the selling point we have. If you haven't seen it, you're yes. an idiot. You're, you, you're just a very sad person. Maybe you're not stupid, but your life is poorer for it. So go watch we'll it. Ha- we'll, we'll make t-shirts for the Kickstarter game. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen this, you're stupid. So guys, tell us about your, um, tell us about the project. Well, I think David uh, should talk about the project. Go, David, go. Oh, okay. Well, I was born in a small town. And, um, the project, uh, I've always been a huge fan of German expressionism, uh, both in art and in movies. And uh, I loved the Dr. Uh, Dr. Caligari since I was a kid. Uh, and consequently, of course, stuff like Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas and all the stuff that kind of goes with that genre um when we did caligari you know the the genesis of it was that one october and i i just decided i wanted to remake it somehow but independently it was going to be very hard to do reproducing all the sets but i did want to bring sound and music and, and kind of a new adaptation of it so in a way our our uh our solution was to, to create a new process where we actually scanned a, it was actually an original print of the film that came out of Germany wow. and it's in liquid nitrogen at the uh, Academy. Uh, Whoa. And we scanned that. We took out background plates or individual frames. Um, and what was good about movies in those days is they were kind of very play-like where, where they would start rolling the camera and people would just come in. So, so we always had like a first second or two for the most part of a frame clear of people. And we ended up restoring those and then using them as background plates on, um, on the movie. So we shot our actors on green screen and then put them digitally composited them into the original sets of the movie. And, and in a way it was a mother of necessity to do it that way. But 
And another way it was great because we got to kind of build the entire movie in post and and get it exactly how we liked, liked it. So all the shadows and all the lighting were done digitally later. Um, so fast forward to now, you know, in a way I kind of wanted to do Nosferatu originally. I, I didn't know Doug then. That, that's a whole nother story. Um, but uh, it was, it just seemed really ambitious to me. And so it seemed like now was a good time to revisit it because the idea of crowdfunding where you can connect the actual audience and the fans and, and integrate them into the filmmaking process is very exciting to me. So again, it was kind of a, one of those moments where I went like, this is the perfect idea at the perfect time. Nice. Well, and Doug, I know I, I, we, I actually told you this a long, long time ago that you, my dream was for you to be Nosferatu. Like I wanted to see you do mm. this and she's told you and everybody else. Uh, yes, <laughs> maybe I have. Um, so oh. I, I, I wanted to get your take on this and, and hear you talk about how, what this means to you. Cause you said, this is like a dream project for you. Well, yes, not only did you mention it, uh, I've also mentioned it myself to many, many journalists over the years. Um, <laughs> because, you know, since I've played such a crazy wide array of creatures and monsters over the years uh, in, in heavy makeups and I've become so many otherworldly things that go so far from human, I'm, I'm often asked, like, was well, there one fantasy character that you haven't played yet that you would love to? And um, so my, my answer has, has always included, yes, I would love to play a vampire. Never done a vampire before, but not just a sparkly pretty one that, you know, uh, because I'm too old and gross for those. <laughs> but I think that... And those they, aren't uh, really vampires. Well, <laughs> to the purists, right? <laughs> so, so, I, uh, so my, my answer is always included. I would love to, to play a classic vampire, much like a Nosferatu, a, a Count Orlok, or or a Dracula, and, uh, and I would love to even film it in black and white to, to, to tell it in the classic styling that, that they were first told and, um, on film. And, and so th that's been my answer for years and years. So, uh, so when David Lee Fisher uh, called me up just a few months ago and said, I got a crazy idea. I, yeah, I don't know if you're going to go for this or not. And if you don't, then we'll do, we just won't do it. But I was like, what? Blah, blah, blah. He goes, have you heard of Nosferatu? I'm like, blah, 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 blah. So, so all, the blood drains out of my, all the blood drained out of my head. And I, I uh, had to stop and, and sit down for, uh, you know, a sip of water and a fan on my face. And, um, and I was just like, well, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And then I realized what he was talking about with like, uh, you know, not, not, doing, not doing an I Frankenstein, not doing something like that where you go so far from, from the, the, the tale but sticking to it like we did with Caligari in that same style of, uh, of, of using some original footage and, and actually doing an homage to the original film with adding dialogue and with adding, uh, as David has said, even maybe a splash of color here and there. Um, to, you know, it'll, it'll have a, a 2015 spin on it, but it's going to be absolutely um, uh, uh, in, in great reverence to the original piece. And that's exactly what I wanted to do when in my dreamland world over the last few years of talking about this. I've, I've been wanting to do this very project. And so David is just like he fluttered down from heaven with this project and said, do you want to do it? That's like that's like that's like God saying, do you want to live another day? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I think on the phone I, I got through NOS and then you just finished Feratu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> We're like an old married couple. We finish each other's sentences. <laughs> so, David, one thing I wanted to ask you about was in terms of the character and, and the story, I, I liked what you did with Caligari. What are you going to do in terms of dialogue and story with Nosferatu? Because I've seen the makeup and it looks gorgeous, but it doesn't look very talky in terms of being easy to talk. Right? <laughs> talk easy. I, I have good good vocabulary skills you, like, this, <laughs> but like how, what what would be the storyline that you'd want to tell with this and how how are you going to work that yeah well originally we had the kind of the talking orange idea for dog where we were just going <laughs> to but uh <laughs> we'll let that visual sink in for a moment yeah that's what i'm doing <laughs> Get like a fake drawn line that goes rebrab rebrab on my face. Yeah, like Conan and Brian style, you know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the idea is, you know, delving into Count Orlock's character. Um, and Doug and I have talked about this a lot. Um, I'm I view him as very in our version as a very elemental. So like Doug was saying, not sparkly and not overly seductive or anything. So I'm viewing him as kind of a man of few words. So mm -hmm. a lot of it, because Doug's so talented visually too, that we want to tell a lot of the story that way. Um, but bring it, the dialogue is going to bring a lot more dimension to him. So in terms of what he's actually going to say, We'll all have to wait to find out, but um, I view him, like I said, as kind of more of a, as more of a force of nature. Like he's more like, he, he's, he is what he is. He's, he's like a tornado or a tidal wave would be, you know, they're not necessarily bad things. They're not necessarily good. They're just, they're just purely destructive. So in a way I view him as a foil against Helen, the main character who's kind of good and light and just inherently a positive person whereas doug is more or doug's character will be more of you know the dark side of nature um so hopefully he won't have to flap do the conan thing too much and we'll uh it'll be good well and you know david like much much like you did with me in the cabinet doctor caligari um, at, when I, I played the somnambulist Cesare, and um, of all the characters in the film, the dialogue was carried by everybody else, and I pretty much stuck to the original silent film version of Cesare. I had one line of dialogue, and and the rest I did, and I didn't even make noises when I when I exerted myself or anything. I was I was completely silent, other than that one line. So I I uh, I, uh, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right, and and I love story that's why i like the actually the original silent films because mm -hmm. it relies so much on um you know the motions of the characters of course in the in the old days there, there were people that were actors that really overdid it and, <laughs> and, and, and i'm hoping like to do i love that too. Yeah, we're, we're gonna yeah a lot of like pulling your hair and uh, stomping around. He has hair. Hey, it's Nosferatu. He's bald. <laughs> if Doug and I, if Doug, do you remember? Doug and I used to have a joke about <laughs> where we would act this stuff out, where we would grin our teeth and pull our hair out and stomp around and flail our arms, and then 
And then we'd have a card come up that would just say, mother? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> which, which is, is us, us that's the advantage of having talkies now, is that, that with the dialogue that David will be writing uh, for the other characters, it, there's so much more story is going to be fleshed out so that you're not act, scratching your head asking, well, what, what was all that action with, you know, <laughs> with a, a sh- very short dialogue card that did not explain all that action we just saw? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I think that's you know part of the um, the charm of those old movies, but also like Doug said, kind of leave you with a lot of questions because if you were to kind of summate what they're saying via just cards, you know, it would be about a five minute movie. So <laughs> I know I saw that with the London After Midnight that they tried to put together using still photos and dialogue cards, and that's about yes, it. that's even more difficult to really get mm-hmm. into because you're basically watching a book mm-hmm. yes yeah. right yes exactly <laughs> um but i know one thing i was wanting to ask you guys was um i some i, I can't remember if it was on, someone on the nosferatu facebook page had posted this but they were asking who do you want to see play renfield and yes. and i'm with a lot of people on there were like danny devito and, and you laugh. No, I, I, kinda, I, 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 I made a hump noise because I wouldn't have said that, but I can see it now that you've said it. Like, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, those and, things. well, the thing is, he's a horror movie fan. I think he could do it. I think he'd do it. I totally <laughs> think he'd do it. <laughs> I've read through some of those and there were some good ones. And for some reason, I just kind of skipped by Danny DeVito for some reason. Oh, but he was mentioned so, so many times in that string. <laughs> that, that I just kept story. going DeVito, DeVito, taxi, taxi, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and penguin, penguin. Um, but now that you say it, it, he would be great, wouldn't he? Well, and he, yeah. he's now that he's gotten older and his hair's gotten like frizzier too, he actually looks like the original. Yeah, he literally <laughs> looks like <laughs> Now we'll never get him. <laughs> well, someone suggested that Doug just play all the parts in the movie, actually. So, oh, I, before, I can hear no. the exhaustion. He's like, oh, like I believe we could do it. I just <laughs> should. No, well, no, you caught me on the wrong day to say that because tomorrow, uh, I, I'm, I'm up here in Vancouver on Falling Skies right now on our fifth and final season. And tomorrow I will be I will be going in to play my father and myself in the same scene. So I don't don't do this to me, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God! So um, how how has been with the, how has it been with the Kickstarter, David? Has it you know what? How is it different doing it this way than it, it was with Caligari? Um, on Caligari, we were independently financed, so um, you know every, any. Any way of doing filmmaking is difficult. Um, and so that had its downsides and its upsides. Kickstarter is a whole different animal. So I enjoy it because you're dealing directly with the people who are passionate and the audience that wants to see it. So that part's really great. It, it is surprisingly a lot of work um, getting out there, getting, you know, getting in front of people's eyeballs to see what you're doing. And so that it's more of a of a a grassroots effort. And fortunately for our you know our team is amazing. So our Facebook has been going great. Uh, we're we passed uh, you know kind of the benchmark for 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 uh, Kickstarter is getting passed around you know twenty percent pretty quickly. We did that in about forty eight hours. Nice. And so 
Yeah, we, we really went. Doug's fans are amazing. Um, we we actually did a panel at Kamikaze, and Doug Skyped in, and that was really fun. And and there there was people there had, had driven long distances, and we had a kind of a crazy time. It was really early in the morning. And, but there were still people that just couldn't wait to see it. Uh, Caligari fans, Doug's fans, and just people who had happened to find it, you know, on Kickstarter and showed up. So... I'm really encouraged because there's just been so much feedback. And as you can even say, see, like on the Facebook, so many posts just for something like, you know, who, who do you want to play Renfield? So, but Kickstarter, it's, it's challenging, but it's very rewarding. And so, so far we're, we're having a really good time doing it. Awesome. You know, and the, the fun thing about the Kickstarter campaign too is, uh, is, is, you know, the incentives are always a plus, I think for, um, but that's something that uh, that the average moviegoer going to see a Michelle Pfeiffer movie won't get to do. They don't get a sculpture of her, you know, <laughs> by, by, for, from buying their ticket. Where, uh, whereas, um, you know, at, and that there there are uh, Count Orlock sculptures available at the one hundred and sixty-five dollar level, which is very low for that for a, for a piece of art that was done just for this campaign. Right. Um, and uh, and and even lower, I think uh, there's there's magnets at the is that a hundred dollar level or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, and we and we actually just just a couple hours ago uploaded a video of the artist uh, oh, Matt, great. who's an amazing artist, uh, him talking about sculpting them and his take on the character. Yeah, exactly right, and uh, at the higher levels too. If people are 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 you know um, up and coming filmmakers or or want to get a name for themselves on IMDb, there's we have uh, associate producer credits to be given out at a higher level, and also an executive producer level at the ten thousand level. So whoever does that is also going to get a kiss on the left cheek from Dougie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> incentive, people, incentive. Where's my wallet? <laughs> Do you take checks? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do have a couple of questions here. Um, one of them is from Sarah, who is sadly can't be here. She's one of our co-hosts. And um, she said, tell them both. I'm so sorry I had to miss them. Um, but her question is this. What is the craziest story you've come across in researching this film? The craziest story? Um, good question. Uh, I would say the the I mean it's kind of grim, but the way that F F W Murnau um, died, I think, because he, he you know he he had done this film and he'd done a couple more after it, and then he actually died in Santa Barbara, crashing his car by a fourteen year old driver or something, I think, into a phone pole, oh my and gosh. only like. Four or five people showed up to his funeral, and I think Greta Garbo was one of those. Oh my god! Wow! Wow! I had no idea. Yeah, and and just and it was I think it I think it was the film Sunrise I believe or something, and and he had he, it was just about to come out, and yeah, it was just a freak accident, and I think he was only thirty eight or forty. I'm not exactly sure, but he was young. So wow. that's that's a grim but crazy story. Mm -hmm. I think you know, she, she, it sounds like Sarah's looking for those Shadow of the Vampire stories where uh, <laughs> he was a real vampire, <laughs> where, he, where he really was a vampire chewing on people backstage, right? Yeah, the yes. Is that Shrek was pretty pretty much kind of a normal guy, you know? He he was. I don't think there was anything too unusual about him, except that uh, you know, even if you look at pictures of him young or even there's good pictures on google and that you know as an older man he's kind of a handsome guy 
Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that's my not so good answer. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating. I love that kind of story. I, yeah, I remember, that's the kind of stuff I like hearing about. Except I know not like, hey, yay, they died. No, but interesting question. So Jonathan Strand had a couple of questions um, for for Doug uh, specifically, and one is. Uh, you said in the Kickstarter that Nosferatu was the character that you've always dreamed of playing. After you've played this character, what's next? What would be the next dream role for you? <laughs> okay. Um, well, great. Well, after I get my, my the vampire out of my system, um, <laughs> I would love to still play a white-winged uh, benevolent angel, which has been the other part of my answer all these years. Uh, I played the, the angel of death in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Um, along with my Abe Sapien character. Um, so I, so I have had wings before, but it was, you know, it was sort of the bearer of bad tidings. Um, so I would like to be, you know, uh, an angel that, uh, that brings a healing touch and comfort and hope to people in need Aww. in something. Nice. And, um, his other question was, and this is, he, he says, I know it's, this is a typical question that you probably get, but what would be your advice to any actor starting out in this business? Oh, well, there's, there's the next hour. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, uh, most young actors getting started, the one thing that they worry about and ask about the most is, you know, who do I call? Who do I have to rub shoulders with? Who do I have to know? What, what, uh, and I, and I would say, let's stop all that for a second and be good at what you do first. Um, Don't try to sell a product until you have a product. And that would be uh, your acting skills and, and knowing your look, knowing your type. Um, so having a really good sense of, of, of yourself without fear involved. And that might, whatever, whatever gets you there, if it's taking classes, if it's doing short films, free, freebie web series, freebie short films, uh, student films, um, which I did all of that when I was getting started. Um, so uh, building up your, your confidence and your, your on-screen uh, resume uh, by by doing any piece of crap your friends pull together with with a camera, you know, um, you, we'll, we learn something from all those projects, and um, um, and then so from there it's a matter of not only being good at what you do, but then finding a way to do it in front of people who can hire you or finance you. Um, so that's uh, that might be a showcase. That might be uh, doing doing those short films that can get into film festivals where there's you know a community that that can actually then hire you from there into bigger projects and bigger projects or uh, or or doing something in front of at an industry showcase for casting directors and agents and managers. Um, I, I know many people who have gotten their start and their representation by that very thing. So there, there's there's no one road to success, and and everybody every actor's story is different how they got there. So uh, instead of asking for advice on what should I do, uh, just ask what did you do? I think uh, whenever you talk to an actor and, and their, their personal story will bring out colors and things that you might relate to, might not, and then the next actor will have a different story that you'll pull out things out of their story too. Great answer. I have to yeah. say. <laughs> well, I should write the book. on. Well, I'm going to write a book then. There, it's decided. <laughs> Well, David, um, I wanted to um, find out from you what really uh, what led you to really want to do Nosferatu. I know you talked a little bit about loving that genre and things, but what really spoke to you about that story? 
Um, <clears throat> what I love about Nosferatu, and, and, and I know Doug agrees because we've had this conversation several times, is the fact that he's a vampire, but he's more, he's more monstrous. He's more like a monster. So again, he's not, he's not a character. Orlock is not a character that is trying to, you know, um, get his way with anyone or convince anybody or, or turn anyone into a vampire. In a way, his motives are just kind of just so single sided. That's what I love about him. You know, he's, he reminds me of, to, you know, like, a, you know, like a Frankenstein or, or even, this may sound strange, but kind of like maybe Jason in Halloween or something where you're not quite sure of their motives and they're just so simplistic. And that's what I love about it. That's why I, I love Frankenstein. Uh, he, he's another great character because he's just kind of, there's complexity in their simplicity in a way. And I liked that idea. And that, and that's always excited me about him and, and, and Nosferatu. And the fact that the thing about those movies that I really enjoy too is there seems to be some kind of, and I, it's, it's hard to put your finger on, but there's almost, almost like this kind of subconscious subtext to them. You know, that there's a story unfolding before your eyes, but you also have this kind of sense that there's a deeper meaning going on. In, in Caligari, it was more apparent because of the, you know, how crazy the sets were. And, and in Nosferatu, it's a little more subtle, but that kind of, you know, it's kind of like saying like, why do things scare you? Or, you know, why do you like a piece of art? Sometimes it's hard to put into words, but it really is the feeling that it gives that I, that that's why I like it the most. Oh, the thing that I always took from that film and I thought was really beautiful was the ending. I, yes. I, I love the ending of that movie and, and the fact that even though she sacrifices herself to stop him, he gets love in the end and he meets the son and that's what defeats the monster is, is love and sacrifice. And it's just a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I love I love it, too. And it's funny because a lot of people will watch the ending of the original and question, well, did she actually die? You know, they kind of want to believe that maybe she didn't. If you watch it, you, you know, you could kind of think, say she did, but or she didn't. But, you know, the fact that she did is really powerful. Right. And and Hutter, the character that plays her fiance, is really intriguing to me, too, because he seems just kind of very um, oblivious to the to the forces of nature in a way. He, he's kind of the man of hubris, right? He's just kind of more concerned with his self-centered needs and wants and money. And he just kind of misses the whole point, I think. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was funny because he always reminded me of Roman Polanski and the Fearless Vampire Killers. And I think that was on purpose that Polanski made himself look like the original um, Nosferatu's lead actor in a way. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. Actually, it's a good point. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, the one that always um, creeps me out was the um, the the Werner Herzog version with Klaus Kinski, and that had a totally different kind of an ending to it. Yes, <laughs> it was very much a downer ending, I think, in a way. Yeah, I'll buy, yeah, I'll buy that. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and I, I'm going to 
pimp your stuff everywhere I can about this. I we will have links. Um, you can go. You can look for it in Kickstarter, but we will also have links on um, the Fangirl Facebook and on FangirlMag.com. And horrorhound.com as well. We're going to put it up there as well. And I want to thank you both so much. I really, really, really want to see this happen. We do too. We can't wait. And um, (laughs) it's really easy. uh, www.thevampirelives.com. We'll get you there too. And uh, thank you again, Dougie and David. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Jessica and Rachel, so much for having us on and for and for uh, for helping with the love here. This is definitely a family feeling getting this thing off the ground. I I feel like, uh, you know, we all we're all feel a sense of family about a property like this that we've all grown up with and and love. These classics are, are a part of all of us. So when we band together to make it happen, it does feel like a family doing it. So thank you to the whole family. Yay. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, once again, we will have links up for this. Um, and when is the end of the Kickstarter? How long do they have to donate till? It goes through December 3rd. Ooh. So we're about five or six days in, I think, Doug. So we're, we got to keep going and keep the momentum every day. So, you know, what's great about that is that even if you are not a fan of Nosferatu or, or this kind of genre, Maybe you know someone who is, and there are lots of great ways to say, hey, for Christmas, exactly. for Hanukkah, I donated to this Kickstarter, <laughs> and maybe I got a got one of the Kickstarter perks. So Definitely. keep that in mind for the holiday season, folks. Nothing says like Christmas spirit like an undead vampire. It's true. It's it really true. is. <laughs> Especially at your house. Exactly. We're actually thinking of having a bloody Black Friday, so keep an eye out for that, too. Ooh. Oh, yeah. oh. Oh, that's a good idea. Sure. <laughs> they speak my language. I like this. David Fisher is my people right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much again. Thank you guys for listening to us. And as I said, we'll have the links up for all the Kickstarter links up on fangirlmag.com. Nosferatu, the film remix. We must make this happen. Like it on Facebook. Donate the Kickstarter. And have a great week, listeners. Good night from Fangirl Radio.